Hey, Culture Hackers, it's Robbie Richmond here, and we've got a really fun show for you today. I decided to switch up the format. I found that the interview with the expert is just not as engaging as a great conversation. So this is a conversation with my great friend and personal trainer, Kellen Shu, and we just had a blast and wanted to invite you in on the conversation. So without further ado, give it up for Kellen Shu. Should I introduce myself? <laughs> <laughs> no, just say it. Man. I, well, you know, I was just saying, like, I love the idea of like talking, like, because we can hear each other much more clear when you speak through a mic. Totally, and uh, you can hear like the vibration of your voice and how deep it goes. But it it enhances the experience, and then it makes talking with someone more fun. Like, so it, much it, fun, it, so much fun, and probably more engaged because you can hear like every detail of what they're speaking. Yeah. Like it's, it goes into your ear It you know, it resonates and you hear like everything they're talking about and you can connect with it more and you could probably, I bet if, I bet if, you know, if, uh, if, if teachers wanted to get, um, students' attentions more, everyone should just jump on a freaking mic and have headphones. It's an interesting idea because everybody does it the opposite direction, right? right? It's that, it's that doing a podcast in order to launch something out in the world versus doing a podcast just to have a great conversation. Well, here's the other thing too, is like now if I have, if I was in a, in a classroom and I'm, I'm trying to listen to my professor, I don't want to hear other things that are going on because that distracts me and I'm trying to listen to this one person. So if, if people wanted to have more success with actually hearing everything that a professor was saying, mm. maybe they should test everyone having headphones on. Yeah. And everyone has a mic, but no one's mic is on except for the professor. And you're just listening. Like you're listening to a podcast or listening to a song. When you listen to a song with headphones on, yeah. you connect with it. You can hear every detail. So maybe people would learn more totally. if they're listening to a professor through headphones. That's and really and and not saying like listen to a professor in headphones and you're sitting in your room. No, you have to be there so you can see them, right? And listen to them in more detail because you have it. I think that'd be that'd be an awesome idea. It totally. And it, I just keep noticing how um, the best podcasts that I really like are the ones where they're doing it in person. Yeah. And there's something really different about the ones where they're on Skype. Um, first of all, the audio quality is not so good and you hear somebody like they're on the phone. Right. Or on the phone or on the phone is bad too. Right. Yeah. But also uh, for me, when I do one on the computer, you know, I can't avoid that my computer has all these other distractions on it. Of course. And it's just easy to just even see or you get a notification or something else. Whereas this, like we got nothing else going on <laughs> except for pushing down the recorder, which you guys just heard. Yeah. <clears throat> Well, this now, is Rob's first podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is how you know it's it's real and live and yeah. not edited. Yeah. <laughs> Two guys in a room alone <laughs> pretending like there's someone talking to some microphones. It's really... Pretending like we know what we're doing. Yeah. Well, you know, everything we say is right. <laughs> <laughs> that was a quote from uh, Floyd Mayweather. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We were talking about that. Use the coaster there. Yeah. Um, about cult of personalities and the people who are crushing it and people like Floyd Mayweather who are uh, that cocky. And it brings up the question because people say, oh, man, if only he wasn't so cocky. If only he was more humble. If only he would do this. But then he wouldn't be Floyd Mayweather. He, well, he would probably wouldn't be the best. Probably wouldn't be the best. Because that's what drives him is his arrogance. Right. Because if, he, if he's not the best and his arrogance goes down, he's like, fuck, I can get beat. 
Could be. Oh, sorry for the casting. <laughs> so I don't know if this is a PG. But I, it, it drives me wild when, when I'm having a conversation with somebody about Steve Jobs. And they say, oh, if only he was just such a nice guy. You know, and then my my imagination is is one of those movies where they go back in time and they make it. They somehow becomes a nice guy back then, and then we fast forward to our time and people are all on their phones. They're like, "Man, I wish my phone worked better. Man, I wish the the, the computers were better." And it just life sucks for us because he wasn't an arrogant guy, and then our technology sucks. Well, well, yeah, but we probably the, here's the thing too. If that were the case, we would never know how amazing technology could have been. Right. Right. So we would just be like, yeah, this is the norm in our phones. This is it. This is all we have. Yeah. Do you know how he came up with the phone idea? No. <laughs> so what happened was I talked to, I don't think this is even in the book, but I talked to, to, to guys who know the, the deeper story was that um, he was in a meeting, right? And he's known for leading the meetings. He's the one at the whiteboard. He's the one taking control. And this one guy's phone goes off. It's like, and, and, and he's struggling to, to get it turned off because Steve Jobs, when is interrupted, just goes nuclear. Turn off that phone. Why did you phone? Like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And he's struggling to turn it off and he can't turn off the audio. It's like, the guy's shaking, finally turns it off. And the guy goes, oh, man, I'm sorry. I hate my phone. And then Steve Jobs just stops. He goes, wait a minute. Who else here hates their phone? And all the hands in the room go up and then just hits him. You know, that's when something's ripe for disruption is when everybody feels like they have to, to be satisfying this one solution, but they all hate it. Same thing with taxi cabs, right? Everybody felt like they have to tolerate it. Everybody hates it. Ripe for disruption for Uber to come along. And right. that's where he got the idea like we are changing the phone. Right, right. Yeah. Well, and the great thing about Uber, too, is like it's a different experience each time. That's what the, why that business model works so well, too, is because you're not getting in the same crappy old cab. Right. You're getting in a new car. You're getting in an old car. You're getting in a different experience every time. It's not the same experience. And that's what's like, oh, yeah, Uber. Yeah. I don't want to take a cab. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. They made it like you can move that mic up a little bit. Um, they, they, made it, they made it like a video game. I think that's what people don't worry. like. You you see the car coming. You're in more control too. Like I, there are times where I've can, I have canceled rides because they are uh, like I see the guy got like a four point six, a four point. How hard is it to just deliver a great ride? And you know if they get below four point six, that I, I talked to one of the drivers. They're on the the border to getting cut out. Because right. who wants to have somebody that's not close to a five star rating? Could you imagine a two star getting you picking you up? <laughs> you know, what'd be interesting is if <laughs> if it's, if it just became market rate. If like, look, you can have it. It'll cost you you know five dollars for that ride downtown, but it's a two star. You might not get there. It's not going to be safe. It's but it's smell. only five dollars. Yeah. Do you still want it? It's, it's market gonna, rate. This is going to smell like cigarettes <laughs> and you know weed. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I got into this one Uber where they're like. There was all these 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 boxes in the back. We had to move everything around. It, it didn't smell so good. But the thing, I, I would have given bad rating. But the guy was so fascinating. We had the most interesting conversation. That I was like, this is awesome. And that's where I think everything comes down to the experience. You know, if the experience is great, it didn't matter that the car sucked and there were all these boxes there. Like I had a really great conversation with the guy. Of course. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I, I totally agree with that. It, it doesn't really matter what, what, like it, it doesn't have to be like a Mercedes pulling up and like, uh, because a Mercedes can pull up and the person's just an asshole yeah. <laughs> or just like super boring or dud, you know, but then a guy like in a 1967 Chevy, like Malibu comes up and he's like, Hey man. 
you want to grab a beer? Let's hang out. Like he's like totally chill guy. Or you have a great conversation, and everyone's like, "Oh, it's a really great ride," you know. Even though you know it smelled like smoke. Yeah. <laughs> have you run into that in the training industry too? If like, like I could imagine you'd work, you could work with somebody who's a really built and in shape, but if they give you a terrible experience, like who cares? Oh, I've I've totally worked with clients where. I've, I haven't worked with them because I'll cut them off right away from the beginning, but I've, I've like met with people and stuff that I'm like, wow, you're just going to be trouble to me. Like mm-hmm. I, you're just actually more of a headache than anything. And I don't need your business. It takes guts to do that. Like we were talking before the show about what's his name? What the artist's name? Massimo? Masioplex. Masioplex. And he turned down what? 400 grand? Yeah. Just because why? Just, just because it wasn't his thing. It's not, it's not his scene and he doesn't want to, you know, he doesn't want to lower his standards um, yeah in his eyes just to make a quick buck like he has standards that he's holding himself to and his vision of what his company and his name means yeah and he, he's not gonna let anyone just like you know mess that up because they're like oh you know you want to make a you want to make four hundred thousand dollars you want to make a quick buck just to do this for us and he's like no like are you kidding me <laughs> a quick buck or four hundred thousand quick bucks <laughs> well right but like that's 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 a level that i want to be on like i don't need your money because you want me to do well this. it's a level like, i want to be on too but my mind goes to and maybe this is like a weaker money mindset or something but my mind goes to oh but i could you know, help feed yeah, children. But, but would you do that, Rob? <laughs> would you make $400,000 and be like, let me go feed a bunch of children? No, be honest. Like, you'd be like, oh, I just made $400,000. Let me go blow it on something. That's not me. You, no, I'm not sort saying of. That, I'm not saying that. <laughs> I do half and half. But, uh, but I'm not saying that's you in general, but that's the general public. Like, people make, like, you get a $400,000 check in the mail today and you did two hours of work. You're going to be like, I'm, all right, great. Let me update my house or let me go buy, pay some bills or something. Like- well, it is it is so tempting, but it's it's amazing how you know it at the beginning where you get that client or somebody where you're like, oh, I don't really like this conversation. I don't like how this is going, but man, this is good money. And, um, you know, you just you, you pay for it in the end. It's going to be either more time or more of a headache or they're going to not like it and talk bad about you. Something's going to happen that's not going to be good on the tail end. But then here's the thing. It's like. Are you being? Are you just doing something because you want to make some money, or are you doing something because you're passionate about it and you have a vision about it? Because for me, like, like I'm kind of getting to the point where someone can come and be like, can be a total asshole. I know who they are, and they're just like, I can look at them like you're just not a good person, and they're like, I'll give you 120 dollars an hour to train me. And I know what they do. And like, let's just say like, they're just a really bad person. And like, you can, you know that from them, but they're like, I'll give you good money. I'd be like, no, I don't want to really be affiliated with you. Mm-hmm. You're kind of just, cause then what do people look at me? Cause I, cause I'm just making money. I'm like, I'm making this bad person healthy and stuff like, you know what? Nah, like do it on your own. Yeah. And that maybe that's just respect for me, for myself. Like, I I want to be a good person. I don't want to hang out with negative people because it kind of brings me down. Or I'm I don't want to like you know be tempted. Yeah, I, I I've seen it go in the other direction too, where you know at, at speaking as a public speaker, you have a certain rate, and not everybody wants to pay that rate, right? And it's mm-hmm. been interesting how I worked with a speaking coach who said, "Don't go below your rate." You know, unless you really are passionate about it, it's a cause you want to do, it's a city you really want to go to where there's that value there. She said, "Don't do it." And it's amazing how many times, not a lot, but enough, to, where I've said, "You know what? All right, I'll 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 do it for this. It's half my rate. It's still good money." And what happens is I book that, 
and then later a full paying client willing to pay for that date I have to say no to because I committed to the half price one. Right. Yeah. Or to that free one. You know what? I've it's funny because the last probably the last two years, I've definitely have grown in my business because I used to when you're when you're a trainer and when you're starting out, everyone wants a deal or everyone wants a, a discounted price. And the more I thought about that, you know, I'm like, you know, like let's just say my my when I started out, my flat rate was sixty five, right? An hour. And, you know, um, which is, you know, people want training and, and sometimes they just don't want to pay full price. So like $65 an hour. So I get these people that are like, give me a deal, you know, give me a deal. Like, you know, I can only afford 50 an hour. And then you're like, oh, you know, okay, mm-hmm. I'll do it this one time. You know what you're doing? Hmm. You're cutting your salary down and you're, and you know, what's kind of really rude is when someone asks you for a discount, you're, so you're basically asking me to lower my salary this year just so that you can, so that you can pay less, but you can afford it. And you're asking me to make less money and like switch my whole (laughs) life around you because you want. Well, yeah, well, I've, I've, I've noticed for that, like it, it can build a resentment which is not good for anybody. No. But the other direction that I found works really well is is essentially to add value. Right. Like and and that but same price just more value. So I was talking to this this head of a of a of a school system and my rate was too high for them. And they you know they really wanted me to run this conference and speak at it for for their cultures and they said okay well, like let, let let me go back and figure out what what we can do. And um, the problem was, for one, it would be the highest they'd ever paid for one engagement. And so I thought they were going to come back and say, look, we can't do this. Can we do it for half? And I'd have to have one of those conversations. But instead, they came back and said, look, we can't pay that for one. So how about the morning you give the speech, but in the afternoon, can you lead a session with all our executives, all our leaders about culture? And I was like, Yes, because I'm getting my full price and I'm now getting access to all their top people right. uh, to work with them. And I could that could be more work later. And so the idea being not lowering the rate, but saying, look, I, I can throw in this. How about I'm there for the day anyway. Right. How about I'll have this conversation or I'll give you this. And then everybody wins through that. Right. Um. <clears throat> Right. No, I, I, I see that and I agree with that. But what I was going at as well was, um, I, so the last two years I, I realized like, you know, I'm not going to let that happen anymore. Oh yeah. Yeah. You I'm, hold your standard. Yeah. Right. But so, but it, but it, it it's helped my business because I'm like, you know what? I'm worth this mm-hmm. and I know that I can get this and I'm going to only get this. Yeah. As, as long as you come from it, from a place of knowing as opposed to like a F you kind of. You yeah, know. of course. And you can't just do that when you get into a business right away. Like I didn't, I didn't start as a trainer and I was like, hundred bucks an hour. Right. And I just got my certification. Right. <laughs> like it took years of experience and building up my knowledge yeah. and like my confidence and yeah. how I do things. <laughs> you can't just go full in, you know, but, it, but you know, I've gotten to that point where I'm like, no, okay. I've been a trainer for this long and I'm good at what I can do. And I'm not saying that in an arrogant way. It's because of my experience and I care about my job. So you're going to pay this. Right. You know what I would do when I would ask for raises, my strategy in, in companies when I would do this is I would think like, I would say to myself, what's the highest I can ask for without like cracking up? You know, because if you ask for something and you start smiling or cracking up, you know you're 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 full of it, right? Yeah. So I think, okay, what's the highest I can do without cracking up and then take it a couple notches down from that? 
And that's the rate that I want to go for because that's where I'm, I can say it with confidence, but it is still at a high level. Right. <laughs> you go in there like, all right, so I want this. <laughs> yeah. you then say, you take it down because they see you crack it. They can feel it. They're like, are you, are you asking me? Or are you? Yeah. <laughs> people know. And the thing also that I do is I make it so easy for them in the sense of people kind of feel like they're entitled to a raise. But in that conversation, what I walk in is I walk in with, here are all the things I've done for you which is the past, which actually doesn't count. It actually just shows credibility because they say, I've, I've already paid you for that, right? So then what I would do is I'd write that, and then I'd also write, here are the things I'm going to do over the next three months or the next year. Like essentially saying, here's why I deserve the money because they want to feel good about it. Like if you're doing great work, they already feel good, but they don't really feel good about like, well, why should I pay you more? But when I outlined a plan and said, here's why I'm worth it, then it's like, okay, they can feel good about saying yes to it. You know what's interesting but, is that if if you could teach that more to personal trainers. How so? Because so so let's let's take a personal trainer who gets a new client and mm-hmm. he's like, all right, so I I'm, I'm charging you um, sixty five an hour, mm-hmm. right? We work together for a year and then you reevaluate. You're like, because you know they don't get raises unless. Like you can, you can get a new client and charge them more, but with your current client, you never get a raise from them unless they're a really nice client and they're like, you know, I want to give you more. So what, what about doing this as a personal trainer? Because this could help people's business and help their confidence and it could make people make more money, you know, Mm -hmm. in a good way. So you, you, you're working with a client, you're making $65 an hour for a year. You reevaluate and you really put your heart and effort into it. You're like, okay, John is the client. So you're like, okay, John. So we've been working together for a year. We've done this and that. I've, like you outline everything you've done with them and you, the success you guys had. And you're like, okay, so this next year is going to be just as good. We're going to keep killing it. We're going to keep doing our goal settings and, and reaching those goals. But I want a raise of 75 an hour now. You're charging me more money? Well, yeah, I'm charging more money because look at the success we've had. And um, I'm going to keep giving you more effort, but you know, I, it's just like life. I need to make a little more money. Totally. Well, you have to do that. I, I was overhearing this conversation with two people who are, who are crushing it in the, in the health and food and fitness industry. And they were saying that what they're doing is they do this, this baseline evaluation, sometimes with photos, sometimes where their life is. They found they had to, because when they didn't, people would have these massive gains in their life and they'd literally forget the past state. And they would not, they would, they would forget where they were before, or they would forget that it was their work and their program that got them there. And so they, they needed to find a way to, to baseline it. Like it's, I mean, the classic is just, you know, beach body, you see the before after photo. Right. They have to do that because people actually forget and don't even associate it with that program for having changed. It's like they suddenly, the, the, the human mind kind of even takes credit for itself. Like I did that. No, 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 no. You worked this program or you worked with this trainer Yeah. and they needed to find a way to of really course. document it. Yeah. Well, that's the thing too, is, you know, you teach trainers how to do that, like to give themselves a raise. If, if you really put your heart and effort into something with, and help someone to really change, they're going to, they're going to pay another $10 uh, extra an hour because guess what? They don't want to go back to their old ways or they just want things done for them or they want that guidance still. So it's like, sure, I'll give you 10 more dollars an hour. Why not? You've changed my life. Totally. It's, you know, it's, and it's, it's funny. A lot of people, a lot of people that are in the training industry, they don't, they, they are afraid of doing that. Yeah. 
and that's the sink or swim, you know, that's uh, talk like either you're going to sink and you're going to stay below or you're going to swim and you're going to keep moving forward, you know? Right. It's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. It's one of those just really money's just a charge topic. Oh, of course. <laughs> Brings up just so much stuff. Yeah. What was what? What else were we talking what about? What are morning? we gonna? Talk, we we had a great run this morning. Talked about all kinds of stuff. Uh, we are and we are broadcasting from beautiful San Diego, California, yes. the beach. And you know, I've I've I don't know if I told you, I've lived in uh, L.A., Boston, New York, D.C., Vegas, Chicago, San Diego. So I've been in a bunch of different cities. Wow. Yeah, and it's interesting how. In some ways, they're all the same, <laughs> especially considering how many, if you just drive in most places, how many chains there are that you could see in any place. Right. Um, so in that sense, it's weird how similar they all are, but they all definitely have their different vibes, different people. And, um, you know, it's amazing how much the environment shapes the experience and who we are and who we become and the people that we're around and all these kind of things. And, and um um, they each have their different flavor. So we were talking earlier in the podcast about how San Diego, it's it's in some ways this sleepy little town, and uh, that, that that's off the radar, and it, it, it's kind of known for okay, you go away from here and you're you're on vacation. But our thought that we were thinking before this is that it's also prime for something in terms of it's being a big city but a small town, and how could you? be a big fish in a small town as opposed to if you went to somewhere else in LA and New York where there's a lot of people doing what you're doing. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. San Diego is definitely like a, is, is a place to grow. Mm-hmm. Like people think of San Diego as like, Ooh, this is where you come for, for vacation or this is the beach town. Everyone's like laid back and stuff. And you know, people have jobs, of course, that's the norm, but like there's no one here that you think like when you hear the name San Diego, you don't think like movie stars or you don't feel you don't you don't think so it's it's a place where you can grow and no one's done it yet yeah and, you know and and there are parts of san diego like encinitas for, for instance like everyone's an entrepreneur mm-hmm. and everyone <laughs> it, it everyone is. calls themselves it, an everyone everyone calls themselves an entrepreneur and they're like yeah i'm a you know i have a company and, and you I'm can't like, tell who's making and who's not yeah. you know you've got certain people who look like they are but maybe they're totally struggling right. and then you can see somebody who just looks like they're homeless but and they're, they're seven but, figure kind of guys yeah of course it's it's so funny that's the la jolla a <laughs> quick story and then we'll get back to this but yeah. I, we were having dinner in la jolla and and like uh Kara, my fiance, she she's like, oh my gosh, turn around, look at this guy at the bar, and I turn around and it's a guy so old that he doesn't care because he's rich, and you can tell because he's in a robe at a at a at a, at a five star restaurant. He's in a robe. He's got two different shoes on, <laughs> and he's at and, and he's just at the bar, and and you know he's just he's just rich and loaded, and he doesn't care because he's old, and yeah. he's like, why do I? And he's like having a couple of drinks, and you know, and you know he's not, and you know he's not like poor because he's in a five star restaurant, and his drinks probably cost him like two hundred dollars. So there's just this old guy who's like, I don't care. Oh, there's that movie with Dustin Hoffman that came out recently with Ben Stiller, where he's he, he Dustin Hoffman's just getting old and doesn't care. So there's one scene where he's at a restaurant like that, and, and they're waiting for their order to come. So he just goes over to the table next to him, takes the glass of wine. From the other table, sips it, 
and puts it back. And Ben Stiller's like, Dad, you can't do that. But he's at this old age where he's like, I don't care. I'm doing it. <laughs> he's like, I'll do whatever I want. Yeah. What do I care? I've lived on this earth for so long. I don't give a shit. I think that's why there are creepy old men. Because you, I, I think you'd get to this point where you're like, oh, my God, I'm approaching death. Why don't I just do whatever I want? Talk to whoever I want. Say whatever I want. Because, man, it's, it's going to be over soon. You know what? More people would have, you know, they would have, people would have, like, better chances with, like, job opportunities and stuff if they just didn't care. Like, just take the old man syndrome. That's what we should call it. The old man syndrome. <laughs> yes. Like, you just go, like, oh, I, I don't want to, like, there's a guy at a bar and he's like, oh, I want to go talk to that girl. And you, you're like, hey, man. Just do the old man syndrome. You just don't give a shit what happens. Just go and talk to that girl. Right. <laughs> and, and you're like, you know what? You're right. Just go over there. Creepy go. old man syndrome. I wonder if this could be a movie, kind of like how Yes Man was the challenge of just saying yes to everything. Yeah. This could be an interesting concept. <laughs> I like how you do we, need a group, though. You can't do this alone. No. I like how we went from the creep. We went to the creepy old man uh, syndrome from San Diego. From San Diego, and how like it's the place to grow. The San Diego Tourist Bureau would not be in favor of this podcast right now. No, they wouldn't. But that's okay. Yeah, but I've thought about it too, especially coming down from LA, where you know it's just so crowded and so much going on. And here, I could get this house, you know, close to the beach. Can have events here. Um, can it, it? It's small enough to feel like a community and get something built. The, the the question in my mind is is that's possible because we've talked about how the the community tends to be a little dissipated like you know maybe a little flaky maybe can't quite get them out that well that's that's the so that here's the thing it's like if you can conquer that right then you'll make it totally but it, yeah it's super it San Diego is very challenging because everyone's so on their own time they're always just like oh you know. <laughs> I just want to relax, and I don't want to commit to anything. <laughs> and it's it's really what it is. People have commitment issues here. Yeah. Not just in relationships, but just committing to, like, hey, man, you want to come over to my house and, like, to this party? And you're like, yeah, I'll be there. And then when it comes to that event time, you're like, yeah, I'm just going to stay home. You know what's interesting <laughs> is, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's in a way it is a strong commitment they have. But the commitment is to doing whatever the heck I want when I want to do it. It's like that's committed to that. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's an interesting mind frame to think that everybody's always committed to something. Mm. And it's like you're committed to to that. Like somebody can somebody can like value or be committed to health, right? And you see them running 10 miles, but then you see them eat chocolate cake. And the thing is they can be committed to health and also be committed to the freedom to eat whatever I want. Right. Right. Well, well yeah. They, I mean, the only reason they're running that ten miles is so they can eat that <laughs> so cake. cake. I dude, trust me. I have so many clients like that that are just like, you know, why I'm here, right? Because I want to do what I want outside of here. Mm. I'm like, well, what do you mean? You're like, well, I want to go have a beer, and I want to go. I want to eat bad food, but I need to live long, so I'm going to work out with you. Right. And I'm like, well, that works. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you know, that, at least you're being honest. Like, yeah. Come in here and crush it so that you can go crush a burger later. <laughs> That's true. How long have you been in San Diego? I, I'm, I was born here. You're born here. That's right. Because I know it for being – because I was thinking, what is San Diego known for in terms of San Diego uh, – L.A.'s Hollywood. You know, Seattle started the coffee and grunge movement. Um, cities have the things they're known for. The only thing I've known San Diego to be known for in my world is the internet marketing capital of the world. It's where people who make a lot of money through internet marketing come here, live on the beach, chill, live their internet lifestyle – 
Um, do you think the town's known for anything else? I don't think it's really known for that. No, though. I think I think you're just just viewing that now yeah. because of the area you lived in. Because it wasn't like that. Like it wasn't like that ten years ago. Right. A lot of the people that made money here are are real estate because first off it's san diego yeah and people want to live here right and then it's like the doctors and and like the lawyers like we have a, that we have a huge downtown um of uh we have a huge like a market in downtown of of law firms yeah and then you know we have a bunch of hospitals everywhere um but but going back to your question what is san diego known for i it's it's known for beautiful people. It is. That's what it's known for. And I I, I don't say that because I'm like because I'm beautiful. No, but because I've traveled when I when I travel around the world and when I travel to cities and stuff, and people are like, oh, where are you from? I'm like, oh, you know, I'm from California. They're like, oh, where? I'm like San Diego. They're like, oh, San Diego. You live on the beach and you're a surf guy and you're with all the beautiful women and that's what people know it for. And I'm yeah. like. Yeah, I am. <laughs> they don't realize it's cloudy and cold a lot too, like it is now. Oh, right, yeah. But, Call it paradise. <laughs> but it's, it was funny because I went to uh, I was when back in high school. I went to a wrestling camp in Pennsylvania, and I was rooming with these two guy two guys from New York. Mm. And we were all at this camp, wrestling camp, and they're like, "Oh, you know, where are you from?" And I'm like, "I'm from San Diego." And they're like, "Whoa, you must live on the beach and surf, and you like all the hot women, huh?" And I'm like. What a weird thing to say to someone. I'm like, oh, that you automatically think I live on the beach right. and you like that I'm with all the hot women. And and I was just like, yeah, I am. Because <laughs> I was, you know, I was a young. But then I was like, have you guys ever been to San Diego? They're like, no, we want to we want to go there. And it, what's interesting to me is like they want to go to my city and I had never been to New York and I want I wanted to go to their city. And it's weird. Yeah. They they want to go to where I live and I want to go to where they live. Right. And we're in a we're in a neutral place where that's not neither here or there. Like this is not we don't we're not in San Diego and we're not in New York. We're in Pennsylvania together and we're talking yeah. about going to each other's cities. Yeah. New York blows my mind. New York is the only place I've ever been to. I've traveled a lot. Um it's the only place I've ever been to where no matter where I am, if it's at somebody's apartment, if it's at a pizza place, if it's Anywhere, it feels like the center of the world. It feels like, and it's it's incredible because in so many other places, especially LA, I get a sense of wherever I am, I get a sense of FOMO. Like, I think there's something going on somewhere else where I could be right now that could be better than this. But in New York, it's totally, totally present. And, you know, I, I New York's got, of course, you know, club scenes, things like that. And I'm thinking, because before the podcast, we talked about your brother, DJ, and how, you know, he's, 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 assisting an amazing dj over in ibiza he's he's got great music himself and we're thinking could he come to a place like san diego and start up something and a following like is this is this a place where people are thinking you know i can be chilling at home watching netflix on the beach like with somebody with his talent could he build something here or do you think this does the environment just win you know what? If the if if people let the environment win every time, no one would get anywhere. Think about that. What I mean by that is like, why did why was why was L.A. the movie scene? What did it start out as the movie scene? No, I'm trying to think of that story because I think the story. I have it right is that the Jews who were in New York were starting to get like people wouldn't work with them 
And then they said, all right, we're out of here. We're just starting our own place. Let's get out of the cold and let's go over to it. I think that's the story. And they created it from scratch there in L.A. Right. So they created it from scratch. Right. Everything was created from scratch. Yeah. That, that, at least in today's society, things that are huge yeah. is created from scratch. It's, it, but it's not, it's not a, it's, it's a formula that works. Hmm. And what I mean by that is like, you can create something from scratch and make it work. It just takes time mm-hmm. and it takes different views and it, you know, it takes different ideas, but you can create it from scratch it still. It blows my mind too, how much everything like took a ton of work. You take something Nike, mm-hmm. Nike, I mean crushing it on every level right and the story with phil knight in his book shoe dog just shows how much of a struggle it was to get that thing well the guy started in his van didn't he (laughs) yeah he he sold shoes from his van but and how long these things take yeah but that's but that's the thing right if if you have a it's a labor of love yeah and if you love something then you're just going to put the work in it and go back to your question I think that my brother could come back to San Diego and really just put his heart into creating his name here or or creating the scene, but it's not going to just take it's not going to just take one thing. Like it's not going to just take him trying to do a bunch of shows and DJ. It's going to take different ideas and trying new things out and creating a scene in different ways and building that name up for him instead of just, you know, there's always development. Yeah, and I think it's it's being okay with starting small. Of course. And, and that it just takes a few passion fans. What's crazy is I remember my interview at Zappos because I was already consulting there. Um, and I so and they wanted me to go full-time, and I had to go first for an interview for it, right? So the guy in there I know already, and we get in the, once we close the door, he pushes all the papers away and says, we're not doing this. I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, you're already in. I'm not interviewing you. I'm like, okay. And he goes, we're talking about my nightclub. I'm like, okay, let's do it. He says, I know you're a marketing guy. I know you can figure this out. He's like, I want to, I want to grow my nightclub. I've got this. You know, he rents out a club for 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 big bone women um, every once a month. And he said, I've got you know like ten people who were who were uh, you know five people or something who are really passionate about it. But then a few or stragglers come and and they don't always come all the time. And I want to get more people and more people in. And I go, dude, stop focusing on the more people. He goes, what do you mean? I said, you've got super fans. I said, you've got five or ten people who are showing up every time who love you no matter what. Focus on them. Do whatever you can to empower them to bring their friends, to for them to yeah, be the marketing. Right. Stop focusing on getting all those other people and focus on them. And this huge light bulb went off in his head. He's like, oh, my God, super fans. Super fans. I got super fans. And if, if, as long as you've got some passionate people, I remember there's this Dr. Dre quote where he goes, um, "If you know, if if everybody on your block isn't listening to your jams, you know, don't try to go out to the world with it because you got to start there. If everybody on your block isn't listening to it, don't go out to the world yet." You know what's funny about this? Huh. You started out trying to sound black. I did. <laughs> I did. And I'm sure I'm failing. I'm sure somebody's going to hear this and call me racist for it, too. No, but we, you know what's funny about that what? is like we do that all the time. Like we can't just talk like normal human beings. <laughs> no. Like when, like if we're ever talking about a different race, we have to like pretend like we're that race. We're like I, mm. like an Asian accent. Like, oh, hello. Oh, like, oh, oh, nice. I, I oh. met this lady the other day. Oh. Like, or like, you know, an Indian. Like, oh, I was at the supermarket the other day and this Indian guy comes up to me and he goes, 
Oh, hello. Nice to meet you. I don't know. That's that, really was, a that was really bad. Indian accent. But why did horrible we do Indian that? Accent. You're not, I talk more like Indian. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> and, well, I don't get why it's it's offensive. <laughs> right. You know, because it's just like, I think it's it adds some color to things in a fun way. Here's the thing. Huh. It's always offensive to other races. You can never offend the white race. <laughs> and I'm not saying that because I'm not trying to be like, oh, we're superior or something. It's just because like, what are you going to do? You're going to just talk normal. You're like, oh, this white guy came up to me and he sounded like this. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> and you're like, well, hey, that's offensive. <laughs> like, it's funny. No one, we don't get offended. It's everyone else gets offended. Right. And that sucks because it's like, you know, I'm not trying to be offensive. Like, I just, yeah. it's just, it's just we're different. Yeah. It, it's honestly, it freaks me out how much people can get offended. Oh, and, and in today's society, <sighs> everyone's offended. Like, no one can just relax. And that's why I love comedians because they always talk about, they're like, we struggle with that all the time. But here's the thing it's like, yo, it's a joke. Like, just relax. There's well, worse it, things in life. At least they get that license. Like, I'm not sure I have the license right now. Oh, to be yeah. Doing that. No, you don't. Like, <laughs> you're going to get jumped later. <laughs> right. <laughs> um yeah but you know going back to the whole thing of creating a name for yourself or creating a brand or you know building from the bottom up like mm-hmm. it just you know it it can be done it just takes time and it takes different ways of thinking or trying th- things out because here's the thing you're always going to fail in the beginning no one succeeds in the very beginning there's right. always failure but here's the thing failure is key to success if you don't have failure, right. you'll never succeed. Well, I think there's an interesting archetype that I just thought about when you said, which is that in my experience, it goes, and I'm doing a hand motion from like top to bottom to up in terms of um, like you get that initial beginner's luck hit. Sure. Right? Like I remember the first time I was thrown up on stage at Zappos, 1,500 people, and it was this rush. Like I crushed it. Got, they were all laughing. Um, it was a warm environment. If you threw me in, cold into another environment, probably would have bombed. Right? And then so my first experience, I got that hit. I got that high. And later ones, I didn't do so well. And I had to learn and I had to keep growing. Right. Um, but it makes me wonder, like like Phil Knight or something, like dude, that first pair of shoes where somebody – you know, really enjoys it or he loves it and he gets that first high. So I don't, I'm not sure if it starts with failure. I think it has to start with something where you're like, oh my God, this could be incredible. And then you're willing to go through those lows and failures to get to the high point. Yeah. I think that because, uh, what you're saying is like when you get into something new or Mm -hmm. you're doing something new, you're excited about it. Right. So that helps. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, I crush it. And then, you know, then life happens. And yeah. it's like, yeah, we life is basically like this. Yeah, we just gave you a taste of success. Exactly. And now we're really going to challenge you. Exactly. And if you don't know how to come back from this challenge, then you're not going to make it. Right. And that's what the beauty of life is. It, it gives you that opportunity to make it. Totally. You just need to do it. Totally. Like, you just can't let, let life bring you down. Like, life is there for a reason. It's to let you learn. Yeah. Taki Moore, the coach, million-dollar coach, had this great distinction on this. He says, to, the test for it, what you need is the combination of fear and excitement. People say they're the same thing, but there's a, there's actually a differentiation there. What he was saying was that, of course, you want excitement because you want to be really excited about it. Um, but if you don't have some fear, then... You're getting cocky, you know, and you don't have that reverence. You don't have that, oh, right? And I realize that's that's a distinction for me. If I have just pure excitement, 
ooh, that can get dangerous. You start thinking that you can just handle everything. But that, that combination of the two is where your learning zone is. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, that's the thing, too, is if everyone was on a high, you know, at some point when there is a low, we're all just going to be miserable. Right. You know, you gotta. it has to be a balance. Yeah. That's what helps people keep going and to grow because they have that, like, you move two steps forward, one step back. But then you can reevaluate and look at that step. Why did you go back and then grow from that? And you, but you're never going to just keep growing, yeah. Unless you know you're Amazon, right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. But that's the same thing too. I love that picture. I love that. There was a picture. I'm not sure if it's even a real picture, hmm. but I like to think of it as a real picture because it helps me to think like, oh wow, there is some hope for me to yeah. do something amazing too. It's that picture of. Um, the guy breaking the uh, what, what, three minute mile. Well, yeah. No. What's what's the what's the guy's name that owns Amazon? What's his Jeff name? Bezos. Jeff Bezos. Yeah. So Bezos is in like he's in this room, and it was like there's a security camera that you know was filming, so someone got this photo. But um, he's in this room of starting Amazon, and on the wall next to his desk, which is like really shabby looking, and it's like all old and it's an old computer, and he's in this room by himself, and he looks horrible. You know, he looks like it looks like a dump. Mm-hmm. And on the wall, it's um, a, a cloth banner that he made, and he spray painted it to say Amazon.com. Really? Can you imagine that? Like I, if I was him, I would, I would keep that photo with me everywhere I go, so I can relook at it and be like, "Wow, look where I started." And if that doesn't excite you, or if that doesn't have, if someone else doesn't look at that and excite them, then they are lost. Because I'm like, I look at that and I'm like, "Dude, yes, mm. that is a That's success story." I wonder about those kind of reminders. Like I, I don't know if it was a teacher I had or somebody who said they keep a skull on their desk. To just remember they're going to die and keep that in their minds of like, okay, my time's limited and keep that in mind. And like those kind of reminders. I don't think I have any of those. Like, do you have any kind of reminders of those kind of, like you said, the the Bezos picture or a skull on your desk or something that like keeps perspective? My, yeah, something that drives me is is, is more memory. It's not something that I can show you. It's just what's in my head. Right. So there's something to like that tangible having the photo, like having the photo or something. Yeah. yeah, I I think that that could work. If that works for you, then great. But I'm sure that, you know, um, Jeff, I think it's more experience Mm. for me. Like, and what I mean by that is like, you know, if like for me, what drives me is I I grew up a certain way and I saw other people grow up a certain way and I want, and I was like, well, why isn't my life like that? Because not everyone's the same and everyone comes from a different background and everything. But, you know, I I just had different struggles and stuff. And I and I look at that and I'm like, wow, that's what's driving me today is I don't want that for the future. And mm-hmm. I don't want that for my future kids or something. I want I want something more. Right. I'm not saying that, I, you know, I, I would not. And that's the thing, too. If someone was like, wow, well, what if we we could go back and change the way you live, like maybe you would, you had, a, you grew up in a big home or, a, yeah. you know, had more money and stuff. I would be, I'd say, no, don't, I would not change anything. I don't, I, and that's the thing. I, I really live by this. 
I have no regrets in life about things that I've done or have happened to me because it's like I look at those things and I just move on and say, okay, I'll just never do that again. Or I'll, I learned from that. Yeah. And and that's not that's not a cliche thing. To no, say. I know. The way you live, I know it. I mean, and I'm wondering if Jeff Bezos would would say the same in the sense of not keeping that photo around. Like what you reminded me of is that somebody at one point at Apple put all these pictures on the wall of the uh, like like the progression of the Mac. And so it was this, it was this and that. And Steve Jobs was like, take that down. Like, take that all down. And he said, we are not living in the past. We are in the now. We are planning the future. Right. right? So he wanted to make sure those those memories were not up there. Uh, maybe it's this idea of of glory days and or something like that, getting too lost in it. Because that, that's a perspective, too. People will say, oh, man, it was so much better back then when we this, this, or that, or... Or Facebook, you know what happened when they got their headquarters or one of their headquarters is um, it was, you know, nice like this that the ceilings are all done and everything. And what what uh, what Mark Zuckerberg did was he took down the, the the foam panels panels where it's all you could see all the wires and everything. He started just taking these all down. They're like, what are you doing? And he said, I want everybody to remember we're still building. Like, this is still raw. We're not done. Because when they moved into the news, new office and everything looked complete, it had this feeling of we've we're, made it. We're done. Yeah, we yeah. did it. We're here. Yeah. Yeah, you never want that. And I love that. And I think that, you know, um, I think that was the whole point of the Apple thing is like, yeah, we, that was how we started. And that's where we got onto the map. But we don't want to think about that because we want to keep moving forward. I don't need to look at the past. Mm-hmm. I like I I don't want people to look at that and be like and and have their thought on that. I want people to keep thinking about new things. How can we keep growing? Don't think about the past. Think about the past in the sense of like in your in your head. Like keep it to yourself. Like oh okay, like that was where it was. Yeah. Well, you know what I've seen work now that you remind me. What con- what works is to consciously remember the past in the sense of it's this concept from um, strategic coach Dan Sullivan's work, which he he calls it the horizon concept, which is that if you're in a boat. And you're looking at the horizon. You never get to the horizon, you know. So you always feel like you're you're striving, which is good to strive. But if you're only doing that, it gets exhausting. So what he, he what he says is, look, you you don't you don't make it a practice to look back uh, constantly, like keeping the, the photos on the wall. But you hit a point where I think it's for him quarterly, where you consciously do it. You consciously choose to turn back, say, oh my god. We've come so far. You celebrate for that hour, that day, and then you're done with it, and you keep going back to the horizon. But the idea being that you're mainly focused on the forward and the horizon, but if you don't take that moment to look back and see how far you've come, celebrate it, see what you've learned, then it's it's just going to get too exhausting. Of course, yeah. I mean, or, yeah, and then, or you get a little crazy. Totally crazy. <laughs> yeah, but you know, you know what I mean? You're just like, yeah. you just keep going, you know, yeah, just know. To t- take a second to, to remember. Well, that's so, what's, like, when one of my blog posts, I put up the picture of the best uh, marathoner versus the best sprinter. And the, you know, the mar- the marathoner is, uh, the, the sprinter is built like an ox, you oh, know, yeah. just so ripped and strong. The marathoner looks like they're about to die from anorexia. They look like they're withering away. Withering yeah, away. Yeah, they just keep running and they're disintegrating yeah. instead of take take a second. Yeah. Like sprint somewhere and chill out for a second. Right. And that's, yeah. that's what the best companies do with this Agile is that is that you, you, you set a goal for like two weeks and, and then you're in lockdown with it. And the idea is like not even the CEO, unless something's on fire, not even the CEO can come in and say, hey, we're going to do this this week. No, we're in lockdown. You can get that on the next sprint. 
So, you know, you actually sprint on that and then you stop, evaluate, see what worked, plan the next one. So it's exactly how sprinters do. They sprint and run. The other thing that I think people don't realize sprinters do, especially with the corporate analogy, is that what a sprinter will do, somebody who's, who's, who's really good at it, is they don't just show up and sprint. They warm up. They stretch, right. they'll do a little laps first too. But but what happens with, with companies is they don't extend that analogy. They don't think, how are we going to warm up before we're doing this? You know, how are we going to get into it? Instead, people just get to work and start doing it. I love it. that. You yeah. know, so there's all these sports analogies in work of teams, of coach, of performance, of all these. But I rarely, I don't think ever hear companies talk about what it means to warm up. No, I've, I, you know, I've never heard that. And right. I, I, I I've probably heard something similar, but I actually I love that. I think it's, it's smart. So get this: what I did is I went to this this uh, this high end financial firm that does investments, and I brought them a concept from improv comedy to do this warm up. And what they do what it, what it is it's this game that I learned in improv training called tape ball. So tape ball is where you take it's just literally what it sounds like you you ball up a whole bunch of tape, and it's just a really light ball of tape. And what you do is you get everybody in a circle, and you you hit it. You can only hit it one at a time. I can't hit a double hit. And then you set a goal, like 20. And, and I hit it to you. You hit it to me, et cetera. And we try to do 20 in a row. And we all have to count together, like our all of our voices saying, one, two, three. And if it drops, everybody goes, oh. And uh, and then you try to get to, to 20. And what's interesting is a lot of things happen is um, – you know, if, if any frustrations come up, you work through that because it's just a game, you know, but you kind of want to blame somebody, but you just realize, oh, it's just a game. But also, everybody is so focused on that ball. You're not thinking about work. You're not thinking about what's happening. You're getting in sync because you're all saying those words, and it takes like five minutes to play the game. And I introduced it to this financial company now before their meetings, and they are one of these like top-performing financial investment houses and before the meeting they'll do five minutes of tape ball because it separates them from the rest of the day it gets them all in sync and focused together you know what Hmm. that's a great way to break the ice too totally that's it's a that's a really smart idea do you think that 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 like whole idea of like breaking the ice or like warming up you think that would work on a sales pitch what do you mean so like let's uh, for example like okay i'm going into a meeting with a uh, head of HR and a couple of his or her employees are going to be there to listen to my pitch about mm-hmm. my company and how we can help them. So I go into this pitch, I go into this room, there's people there, there's like four or five of us. Let's just say just as an example. Do you think I was like, okay, before we get into the, my pitch of whether can we just warm up and get to know each other a little bit? Like can I can we do this exercise real quick? It will take one minute. Like you warm them up so that they can feel your energy mm. and then you do the pitch. You think that that could help you sell? It totally could. If you can, if it's like the next logical leap, like in this situation, they want to perform well as a team. I'm trying to think what could work well in that. I mean, at, at, at its very minimum, you know, it's not going straight into it. Like my friend Joey, what he did first for the sales meeting was he saw there was golf all over the walls, and he starts talking about golf for like 15 minutes first. Right. You know, just to establish a relationship. That's ex- Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, to establish that relationship and to break the ice totally. and help them to basically um, – not um, not the word accept you is not the thing, but to feel comfortable with you. Right. To like, to trust you. There you go. To trust you, to get them to be like, okay, yeah, this guy's fun. Or, oh, this was an interesting idea. Or you connect with them on a different level than what you're there for. 
and then it helps you to sell mm-hmm. because they're like, okay, I trust this guy. I understand who he is, and I, I kind of like him or her. I kind of like her, you know, and then you go into your sales pitch. Right. Well, there's this book called Pitch Anything by Oren Clough, I think it is, and he's done deals with hundreds of millions of dollars and has done hundreds of these deals and pitches. And what he said is that um, the the number one currency for pitching is attention. Not selling, not pitching, but just holding attention. And what he said was the number one skill for pitching is flirting. He said that's what he's doing. It's he's flirting. I mean, obviously not romantic flirting, but just flirting in terms of of banter and getting to know people and going back and forth. And this is a guy who's on hundred of million dollar deals, and he said, look. It doesn't matter how good your pitch is. If you lose their attention, you're gone. You're toast. Right. It doesn't matter yeah. what. So he's, it's like whatever you can do to keep attention. So what I'll do like with the room when I go in to facilitate is I don't go straight into the culture work. Is I'll say, let's, let's, let's start talking. And one of the questions I love to ask them is when you introduce yourself, usually they'll do, oh, this is my name. I'm from Tampa. Hey, you feel like I'm, an AA meeting. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm VP of operations. Um, it's just like each person is just tuning out. And instead, I just, I, I, I've had them stop even saying their position or where they're from or anything. I just say, name and what are you obsessed with right now? You know, and it can be anything. Yeah. And it's like some obscure Netflix show or it's this food. And inevitably laughs start coming up because people share something that's a little vulnerable, but not super vulnerable. I love that. You know, that. and they start yeah. connecting that way and they start learning about each other more. And then we've created this environment of, okay, we're, we're having fun here. Let's keep going. You know, it's it, what's great is that, that this style of starting mm-hmm. um, a conversation or getting to know people it can go into anything like hiring a new employee. Like instead of going into like, tell me your job skills. What about just like asking just a random question? Cause you can, you can read people so easy from how they respond to something. Totally. You know, totally. You're like, well, you're like, what are you obsessed with right now? And the guy's like, oh, I don't know. Well, well, if you have to think about it, then, you know, just get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's crazy is you can do those questions specifically to the culture. Like at Zappos, you know, there's all these questions about service and how do you, do you like to be of service because it's a customer service oriented company. But it's also this culture that's borderline inappropriate. You know what I mean? Where it's like it, you, you do jokes that aren't inappropriate, but it's just like comedian style. Like it's on that edge. Yeah. So then how do you figure out somebody can live that? And so one of the questions that happens in the interviews is, you know, you'd be asking about questions, service, and this, this, and that. And I'd say, oh, Kellen, great. Would you please tell me what is your favorite swear word? And you have to think. That, and again, it's the reaction. Are you going to clam up? Are you just going to start like dropping rap lyrics like this is permission to just go wild? Or, you know, can you think about that? And then you think about it and then you, you might say one. And if you could handle that, the next question is, okay, great. Thank you. Please use that word in your next four answers. Uh, <laughs> and that's the culture, that's you know, cool. at least when I was there. Um, <laughs> so, I love that. So, yeah, it establishes, it breaks the ice, establishes the rapport, but it also says, look, if you can't roll with that, you're not going to like it. Here. It's not that we're judging you. It's not that you're a bad person. But if you can't roll that way, we're saying how like you react. Yeah, yeah, we're seeing if you can flow with it. Totally, I'd totally be like, I throw them off because they, they're 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 thinking probably like the f word or shit, or they're thinking of a real hardcore cuss word. I'd be like, ooh, um, darn it. <laughs> <laughs> My word is darn it. Oh, okay. Could you use that in a couple of sentences? Well, darn it. I really like this culture. And, uh, you know, well, it's like Ned Flanders from The Simpsons. Right. You know? They'd be like, not edgy enough. Yeah. They're like, okay, you're clearly a nerd. <laughs> Hired. <laughs> ah.
How are you done with your coffee? Is that what I see you? Uh... Yeah, me crossing my arms because I'm like super upset. Like, where's my no coffee? coffee? Yeah. What do you think of the coffee? I uh, that's the not new, so much. Was that the new one? Yeah. No, no, no. It's it's one that I had. It's called Tiemans. T i e m a n s. What they did is they went low acid and they added some superfoods like goji berry and matcha green tea. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, Are I, you feeling I, super? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> no, I liked it. I, it's pretty good. You know what's funny is that a, is that a new thing? Low acid coffee. Yeah. Where was I yesterday? Was it yesterday? I think it was yesterday. Kara and I were somewhere. Uh, my fiance and uh, someone's like, it, it was like late and or it was something like weird. And the woman was like, "Would you like to try um our new coffee? It's really low acid. It's great for you." And I was mm. just like, "What? I didn't know what that meant." I was like, "Low acid coffee." I was like, "Okay." I was like, "No, I don't want to try it." Mm. But I, you know what? What does that mean? Low acid coffee? Are, what are they, they taking out? Especially with the hot process, it, the, 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 there's. That's a good question. I don't know what they're doing to the beans that would make it low. I know that the heat process, cold brew is less acidic, espresso is less acidic, the pour overs are more acidic, but um, it's. I just took it for granted. You're right. I don't know what exactly, if they're a type of, maybe there are certain beans that are, I don't know. You know, know. what? It, 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 they didn't do anything. They're lying to you. <laughs> it's, you know, that's the thing. Like, what are they going to do? Question you? You're like, mm. oh, low acid coffee? Well, I'll take some. Of course, <laughs> yeah. We're not going to our home lab. Yeah, they're not. They're not going to be like, well, let me research this. this is a real thing. Let me see right here on right, the spot. Right. I should just do that once in a while. <laughs> like, oh, you know. Um, would you like to buy this product? It's got this in it. <laughs> they're like, wow, really? Right. You know. <laughs> well, we are going to wrap this up. Go get some more coffee ourselves, Kellen. Thanks for stopping by the show oh man i i really enjoy this, this i think it's a we'll new do profession hmm? yeah right you can you can there are podcasts out there man i mean joe rogan's getting more views than like the super bowl like sponsorship money that's crazy this is a real thing you know what i you know what i like about this is that i feel like it helps me to grow when i to totally. talk with people like just you know it helps me to think about different ideas and i like that we can express different ideas and, and like disagree or agree on things and have just conversation i think conversation is key yeah like talking all the time, like not being annoying, but like mm-hmm. get out there and talk to people. Totally. It doesn't have to be about one specific subject. Mm-hmm. Just talk because it helps you to grow your mind. Oh, yeah. And I think it helps you to grow your mind more so than like staying, keeping your mind like locked on maybe, a computer. Maybe we could bring mics with us in, out in public and just be like, hey, you're on a podcast right now. And somebody would just be like, yeah, and we would just do it right there. You know, it'd be great. What? This is actually an idea I had huh. just. It, we could do that, but have a third mic and have conversations with random people. That's what I mean. Yeah. Oh, that's that. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Oh, I love it. Oh, you're a brilliant man. <laughs> no, but I think that's great. But I, that, that's not a thing. That'll be interesting. We'll, we'll talk about it off the podcast and see if we could. You're an audio guy. If we could logistically make that happen without massive, I th- yeah, backgrounds, right? Of, but... Yeah, we. <laughs> you know, it'd be part. You of know, it. it'd be kind of cool. What? The food truck of podcasts. Oh, mixing together two trends. Yeah, I like like, like we have a, a food truck that it's built as a podcast, and we just we drive around, we sit down. Hey, you want to have a conversation with us, random person? Right. And like. Sure. And so we just start talking. Yeah. I think it's a great thing. We would just need to make sure that we pick good picks. Well, yeah, we're not dumb. No. <laughs> but I mean, it would be like, oh man, this person was boring. But if we can have some way of like being like, okay, that dude looks weird. Let's get him in here. You know what too is it, it could help people to get out of their comfort zone and maybe we help someone with like 
trouble yeah. speaking. Right? You know what we could do? We could three-way mix this in terms of also bringing the X pill in. Ooh, you know, yeah. and at, at a certain point, like we have that on the table, and being yeah. like, "Oh, so, oh, you, oh, you really, you really want to be a writer? Okay, okay, we've got a pill for this. Yeah, and then we, whatever their fears are going to come up, and then they take the pill live, and then we see what happens. No, I, I like that. I like that <laughs> idea. Well, thanks for having me on the show, man. I really enjoyed it. Awesome, awesome. All right, culture hackers, stay tuned for next time. Love you, See you later.